Fairfax, as fall is coming in, there's a lot going on. If you're interested in joining a group, they're about to kick off. As you've thought about joining a group, this might be your year to lead. If you'd like more information, email joshfalk at fairfax.cc. If you're interested in joining our team, we currently have three positions available right now that we are hiring for. We have two part-time roles, one as a social media coordinator and the other is to join our housekeeping staff. If you're interested in a full-time role, we are currently looking for a care administrator. If you would like to submit your resume or if you have additional questions, email Valerie Nolan at fairfax.cc. We are just two weeks away from our next baptism weekend. On September 19th, we'll be celebrating as people follow the Lord in water baptism. If you would like to have more information or just go ahead and register, visit our website or email baptism at fairfax.cc. What an amazing time we had a few weeks ago, just celebrating with families as they dedicated their kids to the Lord. If you saw this or if you're interested in taking part, we have another opportunity for you parents. October 10th, we're gonna be doing another child dedication. You can register or find out more information on our website. Thank you so much for joining us on this Labor Day weekend. I'm gonna turn it over to Kyle who has a great message prepared for us. Good morning, church. So good to see you. Um, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors on staff. Spend most of my time hanging out with the teenagers voluntarily. Yeah. Um, they are awesome. You're going to get a little taste of that today and some of the things that they had to say um, about something that I want to share with you today. But great to be with you here this morning. Hello, everyone watching us online. Hello to all the folks in the hangar. Um, we're so glad that you could join us this morning. So um, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we've been in the book of Revelation. We're actually for a good chunk of the summer, right? And um, we're getting ready to switch gears big time over to, um, wait, not New Testament, but all the way back to Old Testament, the book of Exodus, okay? So I thought, you know, Revelation is weird, right? Um, there's some, some difficult stuff to na navigate through. Um, Exodus is gonna have a little bit of that as well. So I thought this week, if you guys are okay with it, we would just go with something a little lighter. Are you, guys, are you good with that? A little bit lighter? Great, we're gonna do the whole Old Testament, all right? Um, we actually are going to go through, a, 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 sort of, we're going to kind of go through the Old Testament because um, this summer, um, over the summer, um, in student ministry, we read through a huge chunk of the Old Testament together, all right? And um, we called it, um, the name of the series was, In the Beginning, Total Destruction, all right. Now, here's what I want you to do to sort of understand that. I want you to grab the Bible that's near you. Okay, there's one at your seat. I want everybody to grab it. I'm gonna watch and wait to make sure that you all take one. No, I'm just kidding. But do take one, all right? Just grab one, all right? And turn to Genesis, all right? Turn to the first book, okay? Genesis chapter one, all right? Everybody get there, everybody get there. Okay, Genesis chapter one. And as you can see, Genesis chapter one, the first couple of words of the Bible are, in the beginning, God created, right? Okay, in the beginning, God created. Now, flip all the way back to the last book in the Old Testament of Malachi. If you have one of our Bibles out there, it's uh, 677, okay? Sw flip up there for a second to Malachi, all right? The last book of the Old Testament, um, chapter four, the last chapter, and then verse Six, you should see it there. I'm gonna read it. It says this. He will turn the hearts 
of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Other versions, other um, versions of the Bible say um, total destruction there, all right? So that's how we kind of came up with this title. In the beginning, Genesis to Malachi, total destruction. And I was looking at that, and I thought, how did we get from in the beginning, God created, to total destruction? What's, what's in between those two statements? And we sort of wanted to navigate through that this summer. So we went on this journey together um, through the Old Testament. We had 21 students sign up to be part of this Bible study where you would read seven pages or so of the Old Testament a day. And then in the evening, every day, I think it was like seven o'clock, we had a group text session, right? So I would go on and type out a question or a thought and people would be able to type in and sort of jump in on this, right? And we had this going back and forth, back and forth um, for this, this period of time. So we even had some fun with this. You know, you're like fun with the Old Testament. That was our motto, okay? over in student ministry. So um, we were talking about Moses, and um, I was inspired to go down to the Supreme Court to record my message. And if you don't know why, watch this video, and it'll kind of explain that. Check it out. On the other side of the Capitol, and just across the street, of course, is the Supreme Court, where the laws that we make here and the U.S. Constitution are interpreted so we know what laws we need to follow as Americans here in the United States. As a matter of fact, there's something important on the Supreme Court building that I want you to see. So I'm gonna sprint over there real fast so we can take a look at that, all right? So here we go. Wow, guys, that only seemed like a few seconds. I am so fast. We are on the east side, the back side of the Supreme Court, and carved into the stone at the very top of the building are three people. One, Confucius, another, Solon, and right there in the middle, Moses with the Ten Commandments. Okay, so how many of you knew that Moses was carved into the Supreme Court building? Raise your hand if you knew that, all right? If you didn't know that, raise your hand. Oh, see, you learn something new every day here. By the way, when I was running across the street, when you saw that fire truck go by and I was running across the street, there was a security guy right there. And as he saw me running, I thought, well, this is it. This is it right here. Um, but it turned out okay. Um, but um, that was really fun. So we had some fun with that, right? Um, the discussions were awesome. Okay, we had incredible discussions for about two weeks. And then we got to the book of Leviticus. Yes, you're all, you're like, Leviticus. It's like, you know, it's, oh no, Leviticus. We got to Leviticus and it started to get a little bit hard. You know, it's hard to read. There's some weird stuff in there and it's all these lists of things and it began to fall off a little bit. But um, it was really a good summer. Um, I, when I started out, my idea was I was gonna find a place to open my Bible every day and to read it and to have the same time every day to be really disciplined about it. That lasted about two weeks for me too. Um, and then um, I discovered the Bible on audio. How many of you guys listen to the Bible sometimes on audio? Okay, I know it seems kind of like, oh, I'll never do that. I got so into it. 
all right? It, it just really helped me to do this. I, I chose the version that I chose, at least, was the dramatized version of the Bible, right? So it's got, like, sound effects, and it's got different voices, and the voice of God, you know, remember Morgan Freeman as God in, uh, was it Bruce Almighty or whatever? It was just like that. It was like every time the voice of God came on, it would be like, this is God. I'm about to do this. If you don't follow me, it was just like that all the way through the Old Testament, you know, because it can be that way, right? And so um, it was really refreshing. I got so into it, and I talked about it so much as we were going through this. When we were going through the hangar in the summer, I would talk about how I was listening to the Bible. But one of our students made a meme of me when you're always dropping off to students, but still time, time for Jesus, because I'm listening to the Bible the whole way, right? I, I was so into it that on our vacation, we were going down to the Outer Banks on a vacation, and we had too many people to go in one car, so we had two cars. And I said, hey, guys, um, I'm going to be listening to the Old Testament on the way down um, to the beach. Anybody want to anybody ride with Dad? They're all like, we'll just go with Mom. So, you know, they all got in the car with my, mom, with my wife, and um, I listened to First and Second Kings for five straight hours. Who wants to ride with me? Come on, you know you do. It was great. I loved it. It was so good, so so refreshing to sort of come at Scripture in a different way and to hear it um, all over again. I haven't read through that much of the Old Testament um, in a long time. But let me go back for a second to the title of the series. In the beginning, total destruction. How did, how did we go from there to there? And after reading through it all this summer, to be honest, um, I'm not sure I have the complete answer about how we got from there to there. But let me share with you um, a few of the profound things and insights and ideas that our students put forward in reading this with us um, and some of our student ministry staff as we went through this this summer. I hope it will help us to just maybe understand the Old Testament a little better. And as we approach Exodus starting next week, it might just help us to get there, okay? So here's a few things that some of our students and some of our leaders wrote. Here's one. Reading through the Old Testament again is a reminder of how we forget that the heroes of the Old Testament aren't perfect. They are flawed, and yet God used them in many different ways. This helped me to move past guilt and continue to strive to give my best to God. There's a lot of disobedience in the Old Testament. The disobedience that I fall into leads to envy as well, Then it also affects my heart, which affects the way I act and speak to others. I was struck by how gritty the stories are. There's so much more blood and sex and emotion and life that you realize when you just read a story pulled out from the rest of the narrative. These were people in all their humanity making good and bad choices, being used by God to further God's story of God's work in the world. A few more. I think God wants us to learn to trust his timing. There's always revelation in God, even the things we feel like we have a grasp on. Israel turns away from God multiple times. We see them rebelling and then crying out to God and see him sending someone to save them, rinse and repeat. Reading through the chapters made me even more grateful for Jesus's grace. We asked this question along the way. We said, hey, the Israelites gave offerings as a way to honor God. How do you honor God with your life today? Answers, 
Being generally kind and generous to strangers around me is a way I honor God. But what I say, I want the things that come out of my mouth to speak life and truth to others and not bring someone down. We aren't and we never will be enough for the holy presence of God. That drives us straight to Jesus. If you read through the book of Exodus and in Numbers and Leviticus and some of the others, there's always sometimes these, these long sections of like how to build this or what this is supposed to look like. And there's all these measurements and it gets monotonous, right? But one of our students came up with the most amazing thing. Reading through all of that said this, the level of detail reflects just how beautiful the Lord is in his majesty. It's like he couldn't leave those details out because they, they show us something deeper of who he is in his grandeur, right? And then there's a, there's a couple of other ideas from the Old Testament that I read about this week. In the book of Genesis, God is gracious, not just a disciplinarian in the story of the Garden of Eden. Noah and the ark is no children's story. <laughs> Amidst the happy giraffes, we see a terrifying picture of God's wrath. Exodus, God will get what he wants. In Exodus 34, 29, there's another part that says this. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And the comment was, when we spend time with God, it shows. When we spend time with God, it shows. Leviticus is boring. So is Numbers. So why do we have them? If we don't read them, if we just skip over these things, right, we can't fully appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't fully appreciate the depth of God. They're essential, right? They're very important. I could go on and on and on, I think, about every book in the Old Testament. But I want to launch on that idea this morning. I want to launch on that idea of if we don't read them, we're missing out. Does anyone know, does anyone know what one of the biggest activities was for families as they were together in their homes during the height of coronavirus? Just let me hear a few ideas of what you think families were up to. Anybody? Yes. Board games. Thank you so much. Yes. Any others? Cooking. Yes. Watching movies. Yes. Sleeping. Sleeping. Yes. Sleeping. Okay. Anybody else? Gardening. Yes. Very nice. I just read this week, and this is going to connect to where we're going. One of the biggest activities for families during quarantine and coronavirus was tracing their genealogy together, <laughs> okay? So it was um, uh, 23andMe, <laughs> Ancestry.com, all these kind of things. Um, we got 23andMe kits at our house. My wife did hers. I haven't done mine yet. Um, have you ever done those? Anybody done 23andMe? You have to spit in the tube, right, for like a half an hour. It's weird. Um, so I haven't done it yet, but um, we did do Ancestry, okay? I did this a long time ago. And um, I was going through that again, looking through that, and I found some amazing things about my own family, okay? Um, there was a man named John Cooper, all right, and back in my lineage. He was from Staffordshire, England. He had a son whose name was Samuel, 
who may have had the nickname of Buck. Isn't that cool? Like, people go, tell us about your family. I go, well, I have a cousin, 27 people removed, named Buck, right? It's kind of a cool name, Buck, right? So that's a cool thing, right? Um, A.T. Witherby, who was on my mother's side, my grandfather's side, I found his draft card for the Civil War. That was crazy to see that. On my grandmother's side, there was a guy, her name was, her maiden name was Verigi. And I found out that she had a relative named Johan. So I've got Buck and Johan. So cool. Um, I wish I had known that before we named our children. Um, that would have been awesome. Um, his wife was Catherine. They called her Eliza. Um, and they came to America from Germany on a ship through Baltimore. Okay. I also found out through all of this, and it's a little fuzzy about how far back this goes, but it was my, my grandfather's dad or maybe another generation back, I found out um, that, that he was a sheriff near this little town where we live, and that my either my grandfather or his dad or somebody, he saw his own father, the sheriff, gunned down in the street. Now, I'm telling you all of this because first and second chronicles in the Old Testament, these books are the history and the genealogy of the people of God. They're the official record of the history of God's people. First Chronicles gives the history of Adam all the way through to King David. And, and many of us, maybe you, certainly me, maybe all of us, are tempted sometimes not to read through that stuff. I mean, Chronicles starts this way. Here's the first line. Literally this, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Malahalel, Jared, the genealogies go on for nine chapters. <laughs> nine chapters, right? So it's really hard to sit there and read through that and to, to try to navigate through it, right? But if we do, we miss some things. Here's the thing about, um, about the genealogy and how important it is to trace this from Adam all the way to David. The first nine chapters, you know, cover all this time that takes place from Genesis 2 all the way to 1 Samuel. And we trace David's ancestry, which of course is super important to us, right? David's line leading to Jesus. And then David's reign. You know, in the Old Testament, we learned about how David was, um, David was a mixed bag, right? Um, mostly, he's seen as very um, very positive, like a good king, right? But we learn things about him along the way. And then we found out about this covenant, this everlasting covenant that God makes with David. His son Solomon's throne will be established forever. And David draws these plans up for the temple of the Lord. And Solomon, when he becomes king, he does something amazing, which is uncharacteristic of kings and uncharacteristic of people. Instead of asking God for riches or glory or stuff or whatever, he asks God for wisdom. He says, God, make me wise. Help me to be wise in the decisions that I make. And God is so happy with this request that he blesses Solomon in all these other ways. And then it goes all the way through to Jerusalem, to the, the takeover of Babylon and Babylon conquering and all Judah and the divided kingdoms and all this kind of stuff. But along the way, in the hard parts to read, in the things that get boring, the genealogies and the monotony, 
it, there are what I'm calling this morning these, these gem verses that are almost hidden in the text that if we miss them, we miss out on so much because when you hear them, you go, whoa, wait a minute. What just happened there? What did God say? Wait, wait, how does that work? What is that about for me? And if we miss them, we miss out on so much. One is this verse, and I think you're going to remember it if you haven't heard it in a while, or it's going to be familiar. Okay, here it is. It says this. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. He was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. How many of you guys at one point in your life had a WWJD bracelet? You know what I'm talking about? What would Jesus do? How many of you, who has one right now? Anybody wearing one at this moment? I was gonna have you come up. Okay, um, these were huge, okay? What would Jesus do? They were bracelets, they were T-shirts, they were bumper stickers. Some people, I think, had it tattooed on them, you know, what would Jesus do? And they were this like mini movement with inside of Christianity of this pretty simple idea of like, hey, I'm living my life. I've gotta make decisions. I've gotta watch what I say. I've gotta, I'm doing all these things. And I wanna be reminded <laughs> of what Jesus would do, right? Some people would flick it on their wrist or they would look at it all the time and just be reminded of that. The prayer of Jabez pretty much rose to that level of this mini movement inside of Christianity. If you've never heard of it, it was a phenomenon. It was a book. This guy named Bruce Wilkinson took the prayer and he wrote this prayer of Jabez, right? And he wrote this whole book about it and everybody had a copy at the time. And it became this inside movement of, of God, all because pretty much no one had read Chronicles ever. Bruce Wilkinson read it and went, what a gem verse inside all of this monotony, <laughs> right? And it was so important because listen to it. Jabez writes that you would bless me. In this moment, Jabez was, was saying he knew that God was the only source of blessing. And for that reason, he asked God to bless him. And not just bless him like with material things or whatever. He goes, God, just bless my life with, you know, spiritual blessing, with, with all of the things that only you can give me. And then he said, this was the part that everybody got freaked out about during the time when this was a big, when this was a big movement. Jabez says, enlarge my territory. And it didn't mean like, God, give me more land or give me a bigger house. It was this idea of, of um, of saying, God, how can I make a bigger impact for the kingdom of God? Who else can, can you expand who I'm in relationship with? Can you expand who I'm influencing? Can you expand who you bring into my orbit? And that was a, at the time they always used to talk about how it was a, 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 a dangerous prayer <laughs> because you were welcoming people into your influence. But Jabez was saying, God, bless me and expand my territory so that I could I can tell more people about you. I can, I can share who you are in my life. And then he said this, let your hand be with me. Jabez was recognizing that he's limited. <laughs> he's feeble. Because of that, he needed God's help in everything that he did. And then the final part was, keep me from harm so that I will be free 
from pain. In this line, Jabez makes a reference to his own name, which we found out means um, the ca- he causes pain. So Jabez was like, look, I know what I've been labeled, and I know who I am eternal- internally. I know what those things are, but I want to be more than that. I want to be something that, that is more than a label someone's given me or the feebleness of my body. I want to be something more than that, God. Can you show me the way forward? Can you show me who I can be? It's these gem verses that are hidden within these sometimes hard things to read. And I would say that, you know, just like WWJD, what would Jesus do? The prayer of Jabez started this mini revolution of faith revival for many people in praying a different kind of prayer, a more dangerous prayer, a prayer that was more targeted toward God working in their lives. Now, I'm really excited this morning because I get to talk to you guys about my favorite Bible verse, okay? When you're a youth pastor, students ask you two questions. One is, what bad stuff did you do in high school? Which I never answer. No, not that stupid. No, um, they ask you that, and then they always ask me, "What's your favorite favorite Bible verse? You got a favorite Bible verse? Do you know any Bible verses? What's your favorite one?" Right? And so it's always this, and here it is: Second Chronicles sixteen nine says this: "The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him." The eyes of the Lord. Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Um, Maybe one of the things that we're supposed to learn from the Old Testament is that when when you're trying to love God, I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to love God and and, and live the way that he would have us live. Um, Maybe one of the things that we can learn from the Old Testament is this. It's never, never, ever been about will God Or will Jesus be faithful to us? It's never been about that. It's always been about, well, we trust God enough to live the way he created us to live. The Old Testament shows us that. It's not about, will God be faithful? Will Jesus show up in our lives? It's about, will we trust enough to live the way he's called us to live? Do we believe that the best life possible on this side of heaven is living God's way? Are we always putting ourselves in the position to be a person that God can use? Eugene Peterson, theologian, wrote this. He said, trying to love God is not taking bits and pieces of doctrine and putting them to use. It's entering into the life of God that's already in motion. Think about for a second. What he's suggesting is that there's this, there's this, There's this life of God. There's this plan that God has that's in motion, right? It's flowing. Imagine it just kind of flowing. It's flowing back and forth across the stage. It's always there. It's always happening. And it's it's got a direction. He started it. He knows where it's going. And it won't be sidetracked from where it's headed. It's happening. And what he's saying is that that's all the time that's there. And God is looking for us to, to step into that. You know, he's like, he's like, he looks at me on the edge of that. He's like, Kyle, come on, jump in there. Jump into that flow and, and be with what I'm doing instead of what you're doing. 
It's always moving. It's always flowing. It's this idea that God, God is, is saying, look, I'm searching. I'm looking for you. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's, he's looking out for us. And he's, we're standing on the edge of being deeper into his will. And he's saying, just jump in there. I'm, I'm ready. I'm watching. I'm going to see you. I see you there. I'm ready to, to strengthen you the moment you take that step in. Just take the step in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build you up in a way that you could never understand until you take that step. And if you're wondering from that verse, what, is it, what does it mean to have a heart fully committed to God? Well, I can tell you this much, right? Just take a look across the sanctuary at the people that call this place home, at your friends and neighbors here in this place who are trying to love God. And you'll see some things that come out of that that help us understand who is a person fully committed to God or trying to be. What you'll see is this. You'll see them loving God with all their hearts through worship, right? Um, how many of you are at a night of worship this week? Raise your hand if you came to our night of worship, okay? Um, an amazing night, okay? Um, I don't miss many of those. I missed this one because um, a few days before that, I was out riding my bicycle, which I do a lot. And um, some of you may have already noticed, I hate to do this in front of everyone, but you can kind of see this really gross scar that I have. Imagine that all the way up the side of my body, okay? Um, I was riding my bicycle and hit something and went over the handlebars, okay? All the way over... Flipped down the road, blood city, gross. Didn't break my arm, though. That's good. Um, tried to stop myself. But I missed that night, but I was able to tune in because we had it online. And what was amazing about that moment was when I flipped it on, um, the choir was up, and um, the, the emotion that was clearly happening in here, the, the vibe of what was going on, the connection to God, the connection with each other, you know, it's this idea, you know, we're supposed to connect to each other and connect to God through worship. That was so clearly happening that it was oozing through my television set. <laughs> um, and, and that's part of this, you know, whose, whose hearts are fully committed to God? It's, it's those who are setting aside, you know, that kind of time to worship God. Um, I know there's lots of ways to worship God, but to worship God through song. Um, another thing that you'll see is people who are diving into the word by listening to it, by having it taught, by driving in the car for five hours to the beach and listening to First and Second Kings. <laughs> it's, it's hearing what God has to say. You'll see them being involved in deep community with other people so they can be encouraged and encourage others by sharing their lives. You'll see them getting involved in serving this church inside and outside the walls. Um, let me just say real fast, Last week, we had this ministry fair, um, this sort of introduction to children's ministry, um, and so many of you um, came forward and stepped up and said, I want to serve in our children's ministry in Fairfax Kids for the next generation of kids. Can you, can you just thank all of those people who did that? Um, you, know, you know, as we, um, we love little kids around this place, Fairfax Kids is an incredible place with amazing leaders 
um, who love your children and want to show them who Jesus is. And, you know, as we've emerged from coronavirus, it just keeps building and building and building as we see more and more um, children back. And so thank you so much for committing to serve. And if you're still thinking about it, we need you. Um, so think about it again. Um, but you'll see people getting involved in serving inside and outside the walls. And you'll see them reaching out to others, you know, with the love of Christ. I just want to close today with um, the story of an Old Testament prophet. His name was Amos, all right? And um, here's Amos. Amos is a herdsman, and he's a fig grower, okay? So he's a herdsman, a fig grower, a pretty humble guy, um, not a particularly uh, educated guy, um, simple guy, growing figs, moving sheep around, living his life, okay? But he was chosen by God to deliver a message. He lived in Judah. This is the time of the divided kingdom. He lived in Judah, okay? Um, and God asked him to go to the northern kingdom of Israel, where his more wealthy and more culturally advanced brothers and sisters were living. And he says, when you go, I want you to deliver a simple message. Just walk up, stand on a tall box or whatever you can find and say, Israel, God wants you to know that you're blowing it. <laughs> you're blowing it. It's going poorly for you. You're messing up, okay? And then he gets deeper into this. He goes, actually, when you go and you deliver this message, I want you to be standing there in front of all these people, and I want you to craft your words as if you're delivering a funeral message for them. <laughs> telling them that they are dead to what God is doing. And he says, as you do all this, I want you to make sure you, you, you tell them to seek the Lord. Deliver this funeral message directly to them. Tell them they're blowing it and that they need to seek the Lord. God wanted his people to get grounded in him, to live their lives well. And here's what it says in Amos 5.4. This is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Come back to me and live. Come back to me and live. If you read through scripture and you do a little studying on, your, on the side, you'll see that across time, God has revealed his nature to his followers in all different ways, calling himself different names. Probably heard some of them. Yahweh, Elohim. In this one, he calls himself Adonai, okay? He calls himself Adonai. So when Amos spoke to the listeners, they would have understood that Adonai was speaking to them. And Adonai simply means Lord with a capital L. <laughs> Lord. Lord. Okay? From the book. From the tape. I loved it. Okay, capital L, Lord, all right? And it signifies a claim on our lives. God claims us as his. Each member of the human family, and consequently, that should claim our obedience to him. God was saying to them, look, you are completely mine. I am completely yours. 
And because he was asking them to seek me and live, he was saying, look, it's possible to live into that. It's possible for you to to really understand and be connected to that idea that I am yours and you are mine. God was saying, look, I'm available. This, I, I started this thing that's flowing. I started it. I'm still doing it. It's still happening. It's still flowing. It's still there all the time. And in those times that you have stepped out of that a little bit, I'm still there. And where I'm going, the destination is still there. Come and be a part of that. You're still invited. I need you to be in that. I'm available and I'm watching. <laughs> not, in a, not in a punishing kind of way, but he's just, it's kind of like you being on the sidelines of your kids' soccer games. <laughs> you know, and you're like, I hope, I hope he gets a play or I hope she makes a goal or, you know, I hope, I hope I get to see something interesting today. I hope, they, I hope my child gives their best effort today. And you're just sort of watching and you're watching in all love <laughs> and, and just being excited that they're in the game. And that's what God is. He's like, I'm ex- I want you to be in the game. I'm, I'm excited to see what we can do together <laughs> because um, it's through me that you find all fulfillment. In other words, God is asking us to, to jump into what he's doing and be part of it. And he continually is watching out, ready to give us strength when we jump in, in a fresh and new way. Another thing that Amos was saying in this simple phrase of seek me and live was this, that it wasn't just enough to inquire about the Lord. He was making it clear that the depth of who God is can be known. He's not hidden, but he says, look, you gotta, you gotta seek who God is. You can't just, can't just fall into it. You can't just casually pass by it. You can't just every once in a while be curious about it. You gotta, you gotta give it some effort to know who God it is. Amos was saying, with passion, pursue Adonai. Pursue the one who calls us his so that you can know who he is. And there's evidence as you read through this, that, that the people that Amos was addressing, the kingdom of Israel, the divided kingdom part, they had just sort of settled into their relationship with the Lord. They, they actually were loyal to him. They actually didn't stop believing in him. They didn't reject that he was there. They just sort of took it for granted and kind of were casual about the relationship. They weren't really committed to it. There was no passion to it. It was, it was more ritual than relationship. The flow was going along and they were sort of seeing it and every once in a while, maybe kind of dipping their toe into it, but they weren't really part of what was happening. Subtle little things crept in and compromised and cheapened their commitment to God. To say it another way, you know, we can't seek God the way he wants us to, unless we actively don't seek the other things that can pull us away from him. Maybe, maybe what I learned or we learned together in student ministry over the summer, reading through the Old Testament, is that you know God's available. God's available. 
but he wants us to pursue him with passion. And we learn that God's love is so big, overwhelming to us, unending. And then he pursues us all the time it's available. We learn that. And that no matter how far we might walk away, we see that over and over again in the Old Testament. No matter how far we might walk away, even when we don't even feel like we're walking away, but we've just sort of stopped pursuing him with passion. Even when we do that, God says, um, my love will persist. I'm watching and I'm ready to strengthen the heart of those who are fully <laughs> committed to me. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, this morning, Lord, as we uh, reflect on who you are, I would just pray for all of us together here in this place this morning, that you would push us forward to have more passion for the relationship. Or let us, let us work at it. Let us navigate through the things we don't understand. Let us navigate through the things that are mundane or seem boring or not important to read or to understand. Help us to desire to push through so that we can continually be part of this thing that you're doing that's constant, that's ongoing, that has a perfect destination that will never be altered because you set it into motion. I would pray that um, we would take that step so that as you promise, you will search and see and strengthen our hearts so that we can be more fully committed to you. God, I thank you for every person in this place. I pray a blessing upon them in their lives and their families. And thank you for the opportunity for us to be together here in this place this morning. So God, we love you. We lift up these things and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we continue to worship together this morning?